Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Crowded Booth. I'm Bryce Kuhn, and it has been a while. Talked almost two months, in fact. Uh, we took a little break there as, uh, to get ready for the uh, after the holidays and everything. And welcome in here to Moe's Barbecue in uh, Rome, Georgia. This is going to be a fun episode today as we talk about over the past week everything that's been going on. We want to um, let you tune in to our take on everything from Bryce Harper's mega deal to the NFL Combine. Once again, thanks for watching. If you are on Facebook Live and joining us right now, we want to thank you for tuning in. If you're watching the recap of this over on our YouTube channel at The Crowded Booth, make sure to give us a follow, subscribe over there, like, comment, anything you'd like to say. And then if you're on your in your car traveling to some warmer weather as we get closer and closer to spring break and you're listening on iTunes or over on SoundCloud, we want to thank you for listening as well and uh, continue to listen on those platforms as well. So as we get into the action here, it's going to be something that's really interesting to take a look at as Bryce Harper has signed a mega deal that we're all familiar with, 13 years, $330 million. Um, it's backloaded, uh, which essentially means that the contract, it starts out as a small increments and continues to get bigger and bigger. Uh, that's something we're going to take a look in this episode. We're going to take a look at the NFL Combine. Just wrapped up this past weekend. Winners and losers. There were some huge storylines to come out of this past weekend up in Indianapolis. And then college basketball season is wrapping up. We're getting closer and closer as the calendar has flipped to March now. Uh, if you're looking at that monthly calendar, we get closer to March Madness, and that's going to be the start of conference tournaments. Last regular season for those major teams and mid-major conferences are starting to have their conference tournaments kick off this upcoming weekend. One that comes to mind is the SOCON, uh, kind of in this area, is uh, shout out to Mackenzie Kuhn, cheerleader over at Mercer University, as they're heading up to Asheville this weekend for a big time showdown. Furman and Wofford, two definite good teams to keep an eye out for over there. So once again, thank you for tuning in, and let's get into it. As the first topic of conversation we're going to is Bryce Harper. If you were under a rock for the past uh, week or so, or all, honestly all offseason, all the buzz has been around where is Bryce Harper going to sign. That's been something that we've tried to look for. Um, it's been you know, publicized. Where is he going to sign? First part, we maybe heard some Yankees. Then it went to maybe Giants. Phillies were always in the mix. And uh, end up last Thursday, the Philadelphia Phillies signed Bryce Harper to a 13-year, $330 million contract, which is the largest contract in baseball history. Uh, blew Manny Machado's offer uh, by, about, I think, about $5 million, $5 million as uh, Machado went over to San Diego. But I want to take a bit deeper look into this deal as you so everyone talks about, oh my gosh, Bryce Harper, this transcendent player, this guy who can change the franchise. Bryce Harper is a great baseball player. Let's don't get our, kid ourselves or get ourselves wrong. As uh, our friends over at Nakahoma Nation podcast, uh, Josh and Ken, they were talking about the other day, he's a great ball player, but 13 years, no opt-out means he can't get out of the contract by himself. And a no-trade clause means the Phillies cannot trade without his permission. Man, that locks you in for the foreseeable future. And that's going to be something that we, as we continue, we get, you know, age 26 right now. He's going to be 39 when this contract year is up. How in the world is he going to perform over those years is going to be something that's very interesting to look at. I mean, Bryce Harper sitting out here, he batted 249, 34 homers, and 100 RBIs last season. I would say that's a down year for him in the batting average category. He's an on-base machine, though. He can provide a spark to a club as well. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what he does with this Phillies lineup. The Phillies have made some roster moves after falling short, finished 80 and 82 last season. Uh, Braves won the NL East, and the Nationals uh, eclipsed them into that second spot. It's going to be interesting to see. They add Andrew McCutcheon in the outfield. 
Andrew McCutcheon's not the same player he was five years ago with the Pirates when they were making those, you know, NL Central playoff runs, wild card runs. So not the same guy. They get a guy like David Robertson to shore up the bullpen, the back end of the bullpen. Uh, obviously, starters, they have Jake Arrieta, who's been there before. And personally, I love the starting group that they have. You have a guy like Arrieta who's been there before. He's won a World Series. Then you have a guy, on the other hand, Aaron Nola, a young upcoming star. They just re-upped him for the next couple of years. But with all this money tied, it's it comes at about $25 million a year. And if you look at the contract details, if you're into that kind of stuff, especially for this year, it's a $20 million signing bonus, $10 million in salary this year. Then from 2020 to 2028, it's going to be at $26 million annually. Then you get a 2029 to 31, it's going to be able to jump up to 22. So you're paying Bryce Harper 20, $25 to $27 million a year to essentially be the face of your ball club until he's 39 years old. Um, wow. That's, I mean, to me, in my opinion, that's just a ton of money committed to one guy. Now, the Phillies also signed a brand-new TV deal, and you're talking with some people on social media and people chirping in my comments as well. They're saying, well, they just signed a $2.5 billion TV contract. This is definitely true. Signing that contract was huge for them, um, getting more money into it, but not all, obviously not all of that goes into player payroll. That's what you have to understand. I mean, they get a guy like Harper, McCutcheon, David Robertson, Reese Hoskins going to be able to move to first base. Defensively, the Phillies were the worst team in Major League Baseball. Uh, might have been, the Orioles might have been wor a little bit worse, but the Phillies defensively were just terrible, terrible defensively. This is going to shore up their defense. Bryce Harper is not exactly a gold glove caliber defender. When I think of gold glove caliber, you're thinking of guys like an Ender Enciarte. Mookie Betts is a guy who can flash the leather. Um, Jake Marisnik with the Astros, a guy that can flash the leather. Bryce Harper doesn't strike me as that guy. But what he's going to do is he can provide a middle-of-the-order punch that this Phillies team needed. Phillies are a young team. There's a lot of question marks and ifs in this lineup. You get a guy, obviously, JT Riomoto comes in. Phillies, trade. they traded over Sixto Sanchez. They get in Riomoto, the catcher from the Marlins. Huge. you got a 3-4 punch now with Harper, and then you have Riomoto, and then you come down with Reese Hoskins maybe sitting in that 5-hole. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a nice core. Relatively young guys. Riomoto is 27 years of age. Harper sitting there at 25. I think it's going to be something interesting to see, but the length of the deal and the abilities for the Phillies to really not get out of it, unless Harper wants to, you know, okay a trade somewhere else, I think it's going to be something that they can maybe end up regretting in the last half. They have a championship window here, some young starters. One thing to point out, they lost their pitching coach, and word is around the Phillies clubhouse, that was one of the biggest losses of all the whole offseason. Their pitching coach comes to the Atlanta Braves where he's going to be able to work with some young pitchers that, is, that are phenomenal. You know, guys like Aaron Nola, uh, guys like, you know, uh, Eikhoff with the Phillies. These guys are they are continuing to get better. I think it's going to be an interesting race. But as for Bryce Harper, I think he's going to back, bounce back. I mean, he's too good of a player not to. You have to ask yourself the question, will he be able to bounce back? How will that work? I think he's going to be able to have a bounce back year, probably up the average a little bit. Um, the 34 homers, the fact that we're talking about a down year for a guy that hit 34 home runs and 100 RBIs, I know the statistics don't mean a whole lot to the baseball nerds to say. We want to look at different statistics, different F war and all this stuff. But, I mean, the guy is an amazing ball player. That leads in, you know, to the next question you talk about, are the Phillies necessarily the favorites in this race? And 
I mean, the NL East got better as a whole. The Braves come off winning the NL East division title. If you look at the roster from last opening day to this opening day for the Braves, a whole lot better. They signed Josh Donaldson and arguably have three MVP candidates within that lineup. A healthy Donaldson, you got to believe, is going to produce. Freddie Freeman, one of the most underrated players in all of baseball, and then Ronald Acuna, I mean, there's nowhere for him to go but up. I mean, the guy absolutely burst onto the scene last season. You take a look at the Nationals, you know, some reporters from The Athletic were talking about, especially the beat writer for the Nationals, for the Athletic, said that the Nationals were almost glad that Harper was gone. And, and chemistry has a lot to do with the team. And people who say they don't, they've never been around a locker room or in, even in a workplace, I guess. But chemistry is going to do a lot of, have to do a lot of this. And the Nationals may be able to gel together. Juan Soto, Victor Robles, I mean, Juan Soto is a monster. We saw him uh, kind of take off and almost you know, go neck and neck with Ronald Acuna the rest of the way for the Rookie of the Year race. They signed Patrick Corbin as well. One, two, three in that starting rotation is downright nasty. Max Scherzer, Steven Strasburg, and Patrick Corbin. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what they decided not to try to rebuild and sell these pieces. They also got better at the catcher position, signing Kurt Suzuki away from the Braves. Take a look at the Mets. New management comes in. They get Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz. Robinson Cano healthy. I mean, I know that the guy's 35, 36 years old. You've got to believe he's got a little bit left in the tank. We'll see what happens there. And then, obviously, the Phillies getting Bryce Harper. If, anytime you got a guy like Bryce Harper, you, got, you have a chance. Um, anyone who says that Bryce Harper is not good needs to check themselves because Bryce Harper is a very good player. And the fact, there were other factors that caused the Nationals not to get over that hump. Uh, and then you have the Marlins over in the National League East, which the Marlins are the equivalent of a high school team playing right now. Is this, these, these guys there, they're going to re rebuilding. They've brought in some uh, to a whole new culture change, changed the uniforms, almost went back to a teal look. So I think it's something to say if you take a look. Are the Phillies the favorite? I don't know. Personally, I think it's going to be a three-team race as you get into August and you get into middle September and then maybe two teams separate themselves. I think the Mets, if they can keep that pitching staff healthy, but that's been the question since they made the World Series back in 2015, can they do that? It'll be something interesting to see as well. As for the other free agents, there's Dallas Keuchel and Craig Kimbrell. These guys are all-stars that haven't been signed yet. Keuchel, both guys on the wrong side of 30, meaning they're above the age of 30. Kimbrell, I believe, is 30 years old, flat. Um, he was spotted in some Orlando airports near the Braves spring training facility. That would make sense to me for him to go to Atlanta, Atlanta dealing with some um, arm injuries. If you're a Braves fan, you've, you've seen they've had some injuries in the past with the guys in spring training, and right now they're having some trouble as well. As Dallas Keuchel was rumored to go to the Phillies. Uh, I don't know if they do that now with the amount of money that they just committed. It'll be something interesting because you've got to believe those guys' asking prices are going to come down. Um, you, you, I mean, you have to believe that they can't continue to have the same asking price uh, this late in the game. It'll be something to see with those teams as well, but I think definitely within the NL East and for all the Braves fans in this area, we're obviously in Rome, Georgia, doing the show, and I have a lot of fans that watch the show from the state of Georgia. They want to know, well, where are the Braves in this, Bryce? And I think anyone who thinks that the Braves don't still have a good shot or just need to spend money for the sake of spending money that's a ludicrous idea. I mean, these, they have the capital and prospects to go get a guy at the deadline. They're really sitting in a pretty situation. I mean, they bolstered the depth of the bench. Having Johan Camargo and Charlie Culberson come off the bench for the Braves is going to be something that's going to be very valuable. 
because you're not going to have to see a guy like Ryan Flaherty come off the bench or, you know, um, Lane Adams. I love the guy. He's got some great speed. He's got a fun social media platform. But um, they definitely did this bench a lot better. The bench has been strengthened. Adam Duvall, he's going to have a bounce back year. You can't judge a guy off 30 plate appearances with a team. I mean, that's, that's not fair to him. I mean, he has a track record of being a gold glove caliber outfielder along with a power bat. He hit two homers the other day in spring training. That's going to be something we're going to have to talk about as well as we get closer and closer. Speaking of spring training, I will be down in Orlando in the Florida area next week as we're going to be uh, visiting some stadiums as well. Uh, we're going to be live from spring training next week. Cannot wait. Might have some special guests with us as well as we're going to be watching the Braves take on the Cardinals on next Tuesday and then getting to feel for around the practice fields of different minor league stadiums and I'm sorry, spring training fields and, and seeing what are some prospects under the radar, guys, we need to be looking out for. Everyone knows the Vlad Guerrero Juniors. Um, obviously, everyone last year knew Juan Soderano Cunha, but so who are some of these guys that maybe no one's paying attention to? Um, I know Josh Brown and uh, Ken Hendricks over at Nakama Nation. I keep referring to them. I know they're really excited. A guy named Patrick Weigel, he's going to come back and uh, from Tommy John for the Braves. Some other potential, Aloy Jimenez from the Chicago White Sox, can he make an impact? It's going to be a fun one. Make sure to tune in as well. And once again, we are here live from Moe's Barbecue in Rome, Georgia. If you have not ever had Moe's Barbecue, you have to. A great barbecue, great wings, and um, just a fun time. Cool atmospheres, plenty of TVs in here to catch a game as we get closer and closer to baseball season. Come out, enjoy a nice day. they got some cornhole out there. If you don't have a Moe's in your uh, area, get close to the closest one as it's a great company started by some great guys over in Alabama, and they continue to do awesome things. So the next topic of conversation, NFL Combine. As we head in to draft season is upon us. It is almost here. It's in April, and you're like, wow, March is already here. It's crazy. Um, some winners and losers from this Combine. Obviously, the story of the con Combine was Ole Miss wide receiver DK Metcalf. The guy is a beast. Unreal numbers posted. Um, I know ESPN had a graphic on their social media of DK Metcalf sitting here with the likes of Calvin Johnson and Julio Jones and some of the measurables from that day. I mean, Metcalf registered a under 4.540 for a 6'4", 6'5", 220, wide receiver. That's unreal. I mean, that's Julio Jones' level. One of the things to keep an eye out on, though, is that a lot of guys – Numbers don't mean everything. I mean, they can go into a combine, but how they perform in a real game is going to be something that's huge. And if you take a look at DK Metcalf's stats coming out, 6'4", 230 wide receiver, comes out as a redshirt sophomore. Uh, last season, he had 26 receptions, just under 600 yards and five touchdowns. Uh, you know, tied for middle of the pack, averaged about 21 yards a catch. He's a guy, he's got some speed, and I don't know if you have not seen either on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, this guy is yoked. I mean, he came in and has put in work in the weight room, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see just how he does um, wherever he goes. You know, kind of was a guy that maybe had some potential to move up, but he's definitely a guy now who's gotten noticed at the combine with some of the numbers that he posted. Um, that 40 time for a guy that big is just absolutely crazy. I mean, it's, it's unreal how a guy at 6'4", 230 pounds can move that quickly. Taking a look at some of the other winners from the day, um, you had some linemen that showed some improvement, some, you know, offensive linemen that showed maybe, you know, they can hang, maybe some under-the-radar guys. 
But the biggest winner to me in this entire process, I know DK Metcalf was a story that was being pushed out there, but Montez Sweat, the defensive lineman from Mississippi State, runs a 4-4-140. Uh, Rashawn Gary ran a 4-4-8 from Michigan. Dexter Lawrence put up 36 reps of 220 pounds in the bench press. And we still haven't even seen a full workout yet from Ed Oliver, the All-American, former five-star from Houston, University of Houston. And I think that's going to be the whole story of the first round of the draft. There's a lot of teams that need a plug-and-play. They saw how Aaron Donald played this past year, how dominant he was up front for the Rams. There's a lot of teams maybe looking to kind of get that interior presence. And when you have a guy like Montez Sweat who is that big and runs that fast, a big guy like that should not be able to move that quickly. And I just think that's something that's absolutely crazy to see. A guy that's that big moves that quickly, you've got to believe he's going to be taken within the first top 15 picks. I actually saw a mock draft today that had him you know, go into Cleveland. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, those guys are definitely some guys to look out for. Montez Sweat, I was in the stadium two years ago when Mississippi State played Georgia, and obviously Georgia won that in a drubbing of Mississippi State. But those guys, Jeffrey Simmons and Montez Sweat, are forces to be reckoned with. That is SEC speed right there. And I know everyone's like, oh, the SEC bias, but a guy that big that moves that fast, it just, wow, it's unreal. Uh, you get into some other guys, Devin White and Devin Bush. Devin White, obviously from LSU, Devin Bush from Michigan. Both of these um, for first-team All-Americans last season. Um, the combine, they were able to really improve their draft stock. Uh, Devin White ran a 4-4-240 and had a, almost a 40-inch vertical set at 39.5 inches. And then Devin Bush runs a 4-4-3. You're seeing a lot of these guys uh, at linebacker position in the NFL were kind of away from the the big guys that hit really hard. We need they, NFL teams want guys that can stop the run and also in coverage. And I think it started with, honestly, Deion Jones. Teams were able to see in Deion Jones' rookie year, he was able to go with the Falcons to the Super Bowl. And you see a guy that has that sideline-to-sideline side speed. And obviously, the next year, Raquan Smith out of Georgia, he goes to uh, the Chicago Bears and shows elite speed, uh, being able to move from sideline to sideline and make those tackles, key tackles, um, that Georgia's fans saw all throughout their, his career there. And then this season, Devin White, Devin Bush, two preseason All-Americans, lived up to the billing during the season, but where would they fall in the draft? Uh, that's going to be something we're going to be able to touch on later on this month as we get closer and closer to the draft, but I think those guys really established a case for themselves uh, to really be able to move up their draft stock. And running a sub-4-4-40, I mean, any time, no matter what position you play, you're showing off some of that speed. Um, like we talked about, maybe some losers from this draft. So you say, Bryce, who was somebody who really – came in with expectations and, and didn't perform well. I think one of the, the biggest stories, and especially around this area here, obviously with us being in the state of Georgia, you're going to have uh, Elijah Holyfield. Uh, he runs a 4-8-140, and you saw all over social media, wow, that's, that's, that's an awful time. Um, but Elijah Holyfield, you know, being, going to Georgia games, seeing him play live, he's a fast guy, but he's also a big bruiser of a running back. Almost reminds me of a LeGarrette Blunt kind of guy. Not as big, but definitely a guy that is going to run in between the tackles and run hard. Um, I don't think he's going to have the same success at, at first that a guy like Sonny Michelle obviously had uh, in his Super Bowl. Also Nick Chubb that kind of broke out. Both those guys really broke out and showed why they were some of the top running backs coming in the draft. But I think Elijah Holyfield has a place in the NFL. And I think of, um, it's a little too premature for us to sit here and say he ran a 4 8 uh, wow, that's terrible. He's going to drop. He may drop, but I feel like still whatever team gets him is going to be getting a good cerebral runner. 
as running back you is going to be able to uh, put that claim to fame as well. Another guy is that you take a look at, and I, personally, I have my own opinion on this, but Jonah Williams, uh, he comes up, you know, they do all the measurements. They do the arm measurements, the hand measurements. Um, Jonah Williams measures an inch short than what he said. Jonah Williams is an All-American in Alabama. Alabama has a knack for putting out that pro talent, and I think that it's gonna be it's gonna be okay. I mean, Jonah Williams and prototypes is kind of maybe a guard or a tackle. Uh, we'll see what that what happens with that. But I think definitely he's gonna fit in somewhere. Whether it's a place like Atlanta, hard for some offensive line help, or a place you know like San Francisco wants to protect Arizona even. Uh, probably not with that number one pick. Is uh, that's a whole another story that we're gonna get into with the Kyler Mar Kyler Murray saga. Um, but, you know, you have guys, Jonah Williams, he's played in big games. He has that repertoire of playing on a played in the past three national championships. Second, um, it's, it's unreal. Uh, as we tend to get to the last part of, you know, March and April, some mock drafts start sliding in there. Experts start visit as well. We want to thank you also for buying our merch. We do a little plug for that right now. Is well, obviously we have these polos right here that we would love to hopefully maybe sell to some of y'all uh, with the Crowded Booth logo right here on the chest. And also we have our black T-shirts. We're running out, guys. We would love to sell you those. Go ahead and message us if you your size, and uh, you can pay us with PayPal or Venmo um, or cash if you see me in public. It'd be awesome to get some of those T-shirts and rep the Crowded Booth wherever you go. And if you follow us on social media. You're going to be able to you know, like, subscribe to all of our stuff. Also, the little business cards. If you want one, you know, message me. We can send one to you and take a picture wherever you go. Getting the crowded booth out there is something we really want to do. Uh, we've, we've been all over the state of Georgia to different sporting events. We're going to be down in spring training next week. Uh, if you're a viewer somewhere where we haven't been, go ahead. Uh, message us. Get us something and get us uh, some details on your information. We'll send one out to you. You can take a picture just how we do it on our social media. We can tag you in it, and you'll be helping to spread this brand. And just want to thank you, everyone, for supporting us. Uh, it's the last topic of conversation as we move in here. College basketball season is here. Um, it's almost over. Regular season ends this week for the Power 5 schools. What is it going to take for some of these Power 5 schools as we take a look at the standings Obviously, basketball, everyone thinks ACC. So if you take a look, you have Virginia sitting there, number one. Uh, they're 15-2 within the conference. North Carolina, Duke, Florida State, Virginia take the top five teams. Uh, personally, I think that Virginia has a really good shot. DeAndre Hunter is going to be a lottery pick. The guy is, stands at 6'7", uh, has the ability to slash inside, can hit some outside shots as well. Um, it's going to be something to watch as we get ready for the re last regular season. Big matchup this weekend. Our big matchup this week, in fact, with North Carolina taking on Duke in round two. Um, the storyline, obviously, that happened a couple weeks ago with Zion Williamson getting hurt. Does he come back? Uh, that's something we're going to touch on in next episode and, and talk with some, uh, some, some people that would know a little bit more than myself. But for, as for the ACC, I think it's a three-horse race. you got Virginia, North Carolina, Duke. North Carolina has always been that team that is led by veterans with a mix and sprinkled in some young guys. We'll see what happens there with them. Virginia, same way. And Duke, with all of those highly touted freshmen, can R.J. Barrett, can he lead this team 
to a potential Final Four berth we're going to see. And then you flip over to the other side, other conference as well than in this area. The SEC uh, improved greatly. The coaching staffs come in that have come into the SEC in the past three or four years have really improved the quality of play. You're going to have guys with the caliber of, you know, Tennessee, Kentucky. I'm still going to sit there and tell you LSU's got a shot. I mean, these, these teams are definitely have a shot. And a sleeper pick for me in the SEC tournament is the Auburn Tigers. Don't ever count out Bruce Pearl. And Auburn can shoot the three at will. With Anthony McLemore in the middle there, he has gotten healthy, almost 100% healthy from that gruesome injury he had last season. With him in the middle and those guys, Bryce Brown on the edge out there shooting the three ball, Auburn gets hot. They can take down anyone in the country. Um, so I, I'm really excited. March is a fantastic time of the year. You get all the hype of the NFL draft coming. Spring training baseball is, is way too long, but baseball is back in some form, and you get March Madness. The best time of the year, in my opinion, is it's going to be a fun one. Uh, we want to thank you for all y'all's support, supporting the show, liking and commenting. Continue to do that. Share with your friends. And remember, buy some T-shirts. It's going to be awesome. But college basketball, NFL, Major League Baseball, all in full swing right now, about to kick off some baseball. And we're going to have some great guests and shows ahead of you. We want to thank you for watching. And before we go, we want to give a shout-out to my man, Dimitri Chin. He's been covering the Georgia State all season long. And one thing I will tell you all, Georgia State is the best college basketball team in the state of Georgia. If you go check them out, they are just an amazing team. going to be in the Sunbelt Conference the favorites to win the Summit Conference, a team that most people, everyone heard of when R.J. Hunter hit that shot and his coach, Hunt, Ron Hunter, fell on the ground. But I'm telling you one thing, shout out to Ben Moore, Demetri Chin. Those guys have really been pressing hard for some Georgia State basketball, and those guys are really exciting to watch. was able to make it to a couple games down there. Uh, but we want to thank you for watching. Uh, once again, shout out to your, our listeners on SoundCloud. If you're watching on Facebook Live, thanks for watching. Uh, T-shirts, $10 all sizes. Uh, if you want a polo, message us. We might be able to get you one. Uh, you can find the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes at The Crowded Booth. Make sure to subscribe and leave us a review on what you think. Uh, and you might get a shout-out shout once again. And once again, thank you to uh, Moe's Barbecue here in Rome, Georgia, where we will be live every Tuesday at 4 o'clock to talk the biggest news and sports that happened this past week. And the next episode, we're going to be live, though, not here. We're going to be at spring training down in Orlando, Florida, better known as Disney. We're going to be down there for the Brave Spring Training. Might get to talk to guys like Kevin McAlpin. Might get to talk to some of the, some of the players. We'll see. It's going to be a fun one. Tune in. Thanks for watching.